0: Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled Luke 188. Stuck in my pocket. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Don't you like this rain? Really feels good. I sure like it myself. Wash the car on the way up. Uh we or some were talking there in the room earlier about the, the title to this message. It was just Luke 18.8 and and so we uh laughingly said or it was suggested, well just read the scripture and we can all, you know, go eat. So <laughs> it got me thinking there when uh, Maybe I'll just read the scripture and that would be all. But anyway, what the scripture says, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? So I have read the scripture. (laughs) Actually, that's a question. So I can't leave it just hanging in the air. And I'm going to go over this particular scripture. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. But what will he find instead? What will he see? Now we know that the Savior knows everything that is going on in our society, in our world. He sees the sin. He sees the corruption. He sees the war, the mass murders, and all of those hideous things that are taking place in the lives of many people. He sees the corruption. He sees the sin. He sees the lies. And that's how it's been since the beginning of time what will he see? You know, nothing is really hid from him. And the Savior, of course, knows just as we do what's taking place in our world. But the bigger question then is when the Son of Man returns, what will he find or see in us? Individually, personally. And so these words are meant for us to consider. In Luke 18 and in verse 1, we'll start there, Luke 18 and verse 1, And he spoke a parable unto them. That is his disciples. As you know, we're the uh, end time disciples today. He speaks to us. He spoke a parable unto them to this end or to this aim. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. How many times in our own life have we neglected prayer? Maybe because of something else ongoing in our life or our focus was somewhere else we forget to pray or because we may be praying for something and it just doesn't come to pass and so maybe we give up on it. Those things happen. But here we see that the importance is placed on prayer and it uh, being a constant thing in our life. But he spoke this parable with a lesson included in not giving up, not to faint, not to forego it, or not to let it go. But why would Christ give this parable if it did not mean that there would be times when prayer is not immediately answered? Well, some would just give up. So we read in verse 2 where he said, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God nor regarded man. So the only respect that this judge apparently had was for himself. He was not afraid of God. He had no uh, fear of man. But there was this widow in that city. And she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. Give me justice for my adversary. So this person, this widow, had some troublesome thing bothering uh, her, worrying her. And she wanted relief. And seeing that there was nothing coming down from this unjust judge, she continued one appeal after another in order to find relief for uh, her injustice. So she went to the right place. She went to the right source. She knew his, that that was his job as a judge, but he just wasn't doing it. And she must have had a good case or she wouldn't be pursuing it. That's apparent because in verse four we see, and he, that's the unjust judge, would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So he was at first indifferent to all her sufferings. And not only that, he comes off and he sounds as rather arrogant. So you have to imagine what this judge must have thought with this widow, just persistently coming and appealing to him. This woman's not gonna give up. She's in my office every day. She's got all these news people. She's got two news works for you on her side. And she's saying all these things about me. And though I don't fear God or respect man, this woman troubles me, he said. So I'll avenge her before she wears me down. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. I will avenge her. And he eventually answered. In verse 7, and shall not. God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them. So we see the point of a parable. Christ was comparing this woman's constant plea, her persistence, her importunity that we likewise must not give up in prayer. But God is not like this unjust judge that we see here. In verse 8, because I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, quickly. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Will he find such persistent faith and constancy in our life and belief and trust in him? This word faith is epistis from Strong's number 4102. And it has to do with persuasion. Persuasion, being persuaded, that is credence, having belief or conviction of the truthfulness of the eternal, our Father. So, in this definition, we also see that there are two things that help define this faith. One is reliance. When you have reliance, you have dependence or trust in someone or something. We believe that our Father exists, we believe that He left us. Uh, guidelines and, and uh, promises. We have a reliance on that. And the other is constancy. Being unchanging in our life. Standing firm no matter what the situation. So two things here that we see that make for faith. And so this widow put her trust and her reliance in the judge's position and power to see to her problem. And she stayed constantly on the case. But we don't really compare this judge to the eternal, for he's not unjust, and he's not indifferent, and he's not unfaithful in answering. That last song we sang uh, really kind of made a good point for me. It said, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. And that's something that we should always trust in. And it's a matter of... believing faith in the eternal our God and our Father. Once more, uh, verse 7 here, and I want to read this from the uh, New International Version. It says, Will not God bring justice for His chosen ones? Do we consider ourselves chosen ones? We do, don't we? We feel that we are the elect. We feel that because we have God's Holy Spirit, and there are times when it is so strong in us that there is a conviction that we will completely rely on our Father in heaven. And he is our Father, and that's the special relationship that he has with each and every one of us, old, young, whatever. But will God not bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Verse 8, I tell you, he will see They get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So we see that the phrase is a little different from the King James where it says, though he bear along with them, whereas the NIV says, will he keep putting them off? And so this word, uh, which cry, the word cry, it's from the... uh, the Greek word boahu or boaho, kind of like, you know, someone boohooing maybe, to halloo, that is a shout for help in a, in a tumultuous way. But as I've mentioned before, we must not think of God as being indifferent to us, like, you know, the unjust, the, this earthly judge who didn't want to be bothered, who just didn't like to listen. So in this story, we see how the widow went to the only reliable source from which she could expect an answer. And that's what we do in our prayer. We go and pray and ask, according to his will, that something be done in our life. And she was constant in her approach. And instead of giving up, she was persistent. She kept at it. And she's doing uh, all this persistence with the unjust judge. And this persistence eventually brought an answer. So, but in this case, we're assured that the Eternal does hear And answer prayer, not because he's being pastored or because he's being bothered, but as the scripture says here, it is for the sake of his chosen. So we are the aim of this parable. And the message is for us to make prayer a constant part of our life, knowing that the eternal, our God, is able to deliver because he has the authority and he is reliable. To approach a day without the Father in it is really to invite the enemy. He'll come and he'll sort you out. He'll look for your weaknesses He'll look for whatever thing that he feels that he can trip you up on. He'll work on those weaknesses and even cause you to stumble, perhaps even fall. And the way of this world is to confuse with all sorts of philosophies and ideologies and governments and parties and all of these things that take us off the track of the way of God with things that are just going to distract us from uh, the heavenly way. There are things that steal our time. If you think about some of those things that steal our time, you can see how the ways of this world are being put into our minds. So it's important to stay close to the Savior. There used to be an advertisement about orange juice. A day without orange juice is a day without sunshine. For some of you younger ones you may not remember that. Now they have those uh, monster drinks and things like that. So it's important to stay close to the Savior, and you know we probably know how and we do that through prayer. We do that through prayer, through communicating, through talking, through conversing with our Father. Just as we have, you know, on our cell phone, all of these numbers of people that we know whom we can rely on, whom we constantly stay in contact with, that we can push a button and, you know, we can communicate, we can ask, and things can be done. And this is the way that we get through to our Father. How it is, He hears prayer. We just know that He does. We know that when we pick up our cell phone, we know that we have the faith that it's going to stretch, you know, around the world. So we do that through prayer, staying close to the Savior. And the other thing is through obedience to his word. Obedience to his word. And sometimes we neglect that because of weakness, because of misunderstanding, because of other things. And so we have to prove all things at times. And we have to hold fast to those things that are good. And you know that faith comes by the hearing of the word. So prayer is one thing. That's how we get to know the Father and is how he gets to know us. Now we all have many uh, differences in personality. We have differences in interest. We have differences in concern but we're still his children and he relates to us one-on-one. He knows perhaps some of us just like to paint or to draw or to fix cars or some other hobby or you know whatever interest we might have. He knows us on an individual basis because like you know the children we have, they have certain interests. They have certain things that they like to do and we can relate to that. So that is how our Father communicates with us and gets to know us and that's through prayer. We know also that God can answer immediately. But sometimes it is a while before there is an answer. I believe that we all go through that waiting experience where you know, our patience is tried. Yet, in spite of that, we all remain faithful and hopeful and constant in our faith. Now there are many things that move us closer to Christ and often it is a trial or a problem in our life. But even in it, it has been no, made known to us through scripture that he will never leave or forsake us. That nothing shall separate us, it says, from the love of Christ, be it a trial or, or a persecution. But it is also being mindful of what Jesus has done in regard to our salvation by sacrificing his life for ours. He said, "He will never leave or forsake us; that nothing shall separate us from the love of God." Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter eight. I'm like y'all, like y'all can read this. I got paper here to read. I just need to open my Bible. Yes, but we know this scripture. Things are really changed, you know. Technology. Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So sometimes as we face a trial or a problem, you know, this, sometimes this is the word that comes to our mind. If God be for us, who can be against us? What can be against us? Because I think as it, we heard earlier, all things work together for good, to them that love God. Verse 32, He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We know that all the gold, all the silver, all the precious things of the earth, the land, the mountains, the streams, the water, that they all belong to God. But man, of course, has to put forth the effort to, you know, mine it, to develop it, to make it produce. But it is God given. He shares it and he gives it. And we don't just pray, Hey, Father, I I want some diamonds, I want some silver. I want a BMW. That's not how it works. It's just that God will see to our need, see what our need is, and really nothing more. You know, Paul prayed to have his affliction removed from him, to have it lifted. But in reply, Christ said, my grace is sufficient for you. You're in good hands for now. Having his grace means having his pardon, having his forgiveness, having his strength, having his wisdom with his promises uppermost in our mind too. Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. We don't fear what man can do to us, but what God can do. Because he's the one in charge. He will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. Because, you know, every case is different. And only he sees into the heart of man. He knows what's you know going on. He knows what needs need to be to be uh, strengthened or propped up. Verse thirty-four: Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. So we don't we know Christ's death did something for us, but it is also his rising, his living, that m- makes us able to call upon him because he is alive and who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us when we slip and fall when we have some thing that is bothering us something we have Christ who understands who intercedes he's having a bad hair day today i had a bad hair day yesterday literally. Uh, My wife's been up here a couple of days and so uh, I have to wake myself up and do all that and and, uh, so I was getting ready for school and got my clothes on and everything and and, I got out of my jeep and I looked in the in the reflection of the the car the the window of the car, and my hair was everywhere. <laughs> everywhere I literally I, I forgot to comb my hair, and what I remember was you know shaking it like this, drying it off, but I forgot to comb it. And that's the way I went to school, and uh, luckily I had a brush in the car, but. As I was going up toward the school, I turned the corner, and there was a a woman pushing her baby buggy there, and uh, I nodded and waved, and she just looked at me, you know. (laughs) And then as I got to the place where the building, the classroom building, you know, the band was out there in this big old parking lot, and they were all facing the direction I was coming, and, you know, I I wonder what they thought. But I was sure surprised because, you know, things were askew. And I went in, and I was due for duty in five minutes. And so I hurriedly went to the bathroom, wet my hair. Man, it was hard, really hard to press down again and combed it into place, or I think I did anyway. And so, so I made it. But sometimes we wake up and we have a bad hair day. We do need intercession spiritually, you know, and, and things uh, like that. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died yea rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Sometimes you know we may condemn ourselves but that's not the way. Sometimes the other people will condemn us but it's only through Christ that we live and through him are we, are we saved. Once again who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation presently or in the tribulation to come or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. So this love that Christ has for each and every one of us personally is deep. It's deep for every one. And if we confess our sin, he is just to forgive and to cleanse. And what we were before our repentance and Baptism is, is erased. And Christ is there to make intercession for us each and every day so that we can make it into that coming kingdom of God. So there is no lien, there is no condemnation or man who can separate us from the love the Father has for his children. Verse 36. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So we see that the enemy is still present with us. As long as we are in this age. As long as we are in this world. The accuser of the brethren is still there. And he presents problems for those in the faith. But in verse 37. Nay in all these things. We are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. He's the one. Whom we can rely on to fight. Our battles to pull us through. Verse 38 For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will come between us and the love of Jesus Christ unless we just put up a wall and say, I don't want it anymore. But in whatever situation we find ourselves, we must be constant in faith and that there will be an answer because of God's love for his chosen. So we keep in mind his trustworthiness and his promises toward us and remember the things that he has done for us. And it is what he has done for us that that uh, moves us closer to him. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 17. Luke 17 verse 11. It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and as he entered into a certain village there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And that's how we would feel if we felt like, you know, Talk about people having a bad hair day. Now, that is one, one disease that really makes you not fit into society. But there they were. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went... They were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. They, he was on, they were on their way to see the priests. And then they were healed and cleansed. How that feeling of change must have come over them to suddenly look and they were, they, they were of normal skin to go back to the source In praise and in thanksgiving." In verse 6, 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So the spirit of praise, the spirit of praise and thankfulness is what keeps faith constant. It keeps us close to God in life, remembering what he has done for us In him healing us of our various afflictions, our sins, giving us hope for a better world and for a future. We all have blessings that we can be thankful for. Like the song says, count your blessings. Sometimes we look upon our lives that, you know, we don't have it all. We wish we had more. But then when you start counting your blessings, you begin to realize that you have more than enough. You have his grace. But we see that only this one leper, this former leper, came back to praise, seeing that he was cleansed by the power and kindness of Jesus Christ. And Jesus answering in verse 17, Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, except this stranger. And he said unto him, to this leper that was healed and came back to praise him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. So the others took, you know, they took their outward cure. But this one found, in addition to that outward cure, an inward cure. And he was thankful. Now, perhaps this man must have had, always had hope that someday, somehow, somewhere he would be healed of this hideous disease. He didn't know when, he didn't know how, but when he called out to Christ and was healed, it moved him to return to the Savior to give and praise thanks. Just as we realize sometimes that how we have been healed of our own uncleanness, how we've been healed of our own unrighteousness. And to him we can be thankful. And return to him in praise and thanksgiving. Verse 20. Oh, uh, let's see. Verse 20, yes. Now, when he... Let's uh, see, you know these Pharisees, they, they were demanding. They wanted to know when the kingdom of God was going to be set up. Let's, you know, sort of distract from this healing of the ten lepers. We want to know when you're going to set up the kingdom or when the kingdom is going to be set up. Verse 20, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. It's not, you know, not visible. These Pharisees were materialistic. They had to see. They had to have this proof. Verse 21, neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. You know, there are always people and societies and cults and groups of people who want to establish some utopia, some place where everything is going just right and saying, well, you know, he's here or he's there. And so, you know, there's always that little search for places where a heavenly kingdom on earth might, might exist. But the kingdom of God, he says, is within you. Sometimes that's a, a, that's a spiritual thing that you have to think about. But he said unto his disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. Think about that, this reply, this, this, these words he spoke to his, to his disciples. The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. How often do we sometimes desire to see great miracles as in the days of Christ? Verse 23, And they shall say to you, See here or see there, don't go after them nor follow them. You know, these are the worldly ways, the worldly leaders, don't go after them. For as a lightning, you know, that is the sun that lights or shines out of the out of the one part under heaven, shines unto the other part, you know, east to west under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Don't be misled. His coming will be is going to be obviously bright, and it's going to be obviously powerful. But first, before that time, he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Speaking of that time he was living and also speaking of the time we have today. There are many in this generation that reject Christ. That uh, don't believe that all, that all these miracles that he performed and the miracles that are to come uh, were, really happen. But he must suffer many things before that time. Verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also, shall shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. So all of these people, just like many today, they all had their own cares, their own interests, their own focus, their own material pursuits, mostly bad, mostly sinful likewise also as it was in the days of Lot they did eat they drank they bought they sold they planted they built but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all even thus shall it be in the day when the son of man is revealed that's when you know judgment came and faith was not found and in that day He which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff is in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. All of that material stuff, those possessions that may have been gained, they're not going to save you. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. You know, we can spend a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort in trying to fortify our own place of safety. But, you know, sooner or later, all that preparation will come to nothing if we don't put our faith in the right direction. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Only God is able to save or to destroy. And if we die in him, we know that we will be resurrected. Verse 34, I tell you in that night there shall be two men in one bed asleep. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field the one shall be taken and the other left. All of these people going about their routines until you know, in that day the Roman army came and brought ruin to the Judeans. But here we see that there are two kinds of people that are represented here. One willing to trust Christ and the other doubtful, without faith, not sure, you know, of this evil that is supposed to come upon the world. And they answered in verse 37, and said unto him, uh, one one shall be taken, the other left, and the disciples answered, and said unto him, Where, Lord? You know, where where are they going to be taken? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. So to answer that, we have to go to Matthew 24. We know that as it was at that time, so shall it be in the last days. In Matthew 24, verse 4. the disciples asked when shall these things be? Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you and he talked about how people are going to come in his name and shall deceive many and about all the wars and rumors of wars but he said see that you be not troubled these things must come to pass but the end is not yet you know nations fighting against nations kingdom against kingdom and famines and pestilences and all this these things. But all these are the beginning of sorrows. Verse nine. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and you shall be hated of all nations for my for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended. Do you think we might be offended? Do you think we might offend someone else? We have to be careful. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and they they're going to deceive many. Many will be misled. These prophets will be misled into thinking they have the answer. And they point, you know, where Christ is. But because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, lawlessness will be so rampant that glowing love for God and for his way and for fellow man is just going to grow dim. But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved so we see in this this scripture endurance endurance over you know whatever situation confronts us same shall be saved because you know revelation says that here are they that who that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ and this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come so not before that time will the end of this age come when God has sufficiently warned and given the good news of salvation now the most apparent sign is verse 15 when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation then let them in verse 16 which be in Judea flee into the mountains you know get away take flight let him which is is on the housetops not come down and take anything out of his house Neither let him which is in the field go back to get his clothes, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, or on the Sabbath, for then shall be great tribulation. And except those days, verse 22, should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened." Now, verse 23, if any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. And if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Verse 25, behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, you, behold, he's in the desert, he's in the wilderness, don't go there. Behold, he's in the secret chambers, don't believe it. People are going to be looking for a place of refuge in that day and, will you know, will pull, pulling out all stops in order to find that place of refuge and make themselves uh, go in a misguided direction. Verse 27, here's uh, what uh, was meant by, for wheresoever the carcasses there will the eagles be together. And Christ is uh, talking about this. For as a lightning comes out of the east and shines even into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Because wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And so those two verses indicate the where and the when. Remember the disciples, uh, you know, ask where? Where will they be taken? The words may seem a little puzzling. They ask, you know, when they ask Christ, well, where, Lord, are they going to be taken? Now this word carcass is ruin. It means ruin. And it means a lifeless body. And the eagles, it comes from a word eros, which means an eagle with, you know, wind-like flight. So it may be understood that Christ is referring to his return in a time yet future. Verses 27 and 28. When Christ returns, what will he see? He's going to return to a world that is on the brink of total ruin and almost a lifeless body before he intervenes for the sake of his elect, those enduring to the end of the age and in those whom he will find constant and persevering faith. So when things look dark, when it seems an answer is not immediate, especially for the saints in that coming time, we keep the faith. Keep the faith no matter what knowing that God is in control and will quickly answer. Isaiah chapter 40. Have you not known, verse 21, have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he uh, that sits upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. (laughs) That stretch out the heavens as a curtain, and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. That brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them. And they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, said the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high. And behold, who has created these things, that brings out their hosts by number, calls them all by names, by the great greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one fails. Why say you, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Have you not known, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not? Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint. And be weary. And the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord. Shall renew their strength. And shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. So when we see Christ. We shall be like him. But the prayer of faith down through the ages has been, you know, often of those who have cried for help. And we're no different in this age. But we have the faith to pray. Uh, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. You can read the rest of that psalm, but... uh, don't want to go too long. Romans 8. Chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children than heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we might be also glorified together for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God so we wait for our change to come that's you know that's the longing in all of us. And although we have a home here on this earth, our longing is for something even greater. And shall not... Let's uh, close and back to Luke chapter 18. Shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with him? So we should have this humble confidence that we are the elect we are his children, that we are his heirs. Verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. You know, uh, speed is one thing, but you know, just poking along slowly is another thing. It's, it's a matter of perception because sometimes when we look at our child who was seemed like we, they were only three years old yesterday and we look across the table and here they are older, at 18 and then we say to ourselves wow how quickly time has passed it's our perception of time nevertheless when the son of man comes uh, shall he find faith on the earth so for Christ to find us in faith let's, let's do these things and this is for you know both young and old one is to be constant in prayer and to not faint. You know, every prayer re- requires faith and belief. Two, to put our trust in the Lord and what he can do and not in ourselves. Three, to praise and thank him for all things and to acknowledge him in all our, our ways. And four, to be obedient unto him. So these things, you know, take diligence But having this faith will make us whole and it will make us complete and he will avenge his people speedily.